Hello, and welcome to the Adrian Ross Show. I am your host, Adrian Ross, and I am glad that you are tuned in to this episode. We are going to dive into a touchy subject, but I guess one might say that a lot of what I deal with is, is touchy, and that's okay, because we are well able to handle the tough stuff. All right, so before I get into that, though, I just want to say thank you for being a part of this and thank you for those who have left reviews or ratings or have reached out in some other way to talk about what you think of the episodes on the Adrian Ross show, which of course is on the BMG network. That is the bmgnetwork.com. The BMG network has several great shows and I want to encourage you to go there and to check them out. For example, we have the Ken and Mike show. We have the Pac-Man podcast. We have the Ken Burns show. We have Set Apart with KC, and we have Miked Up with Mike Hansen. We also have a column from the Pac-Man, that's Ted Flint, that you want to check out. Like I said, it is the bmgnetwork.com. So I appreciate you tuning into the Adrian Ross Show. Please continue to do that, but also check out the other podcasts. They are going to really speak to you. Whether you agree, whether you disagree, it doesn't matter. It's about engagement. It's about thinking and speaking and and, and really digging in. All right. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to start this episode off in, in a way that I, I haven't done before because I do appreciate the reviews that I've received and I'd love to, to see more. I'm hearing from people, but not everyone is, is going to uh, say Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. And I, and I really would appreciate that. If you appreciate this at all, would you please just do that for me? Go to the Apple Podcasts and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Here's one from Catherine. Catherine writes, Adrian Ross has proven herself to be as refreshingly real as they come. I'm enjoying all of her podcast topics, whether political, personal, or trending, all presented with that refreshingly real and very timely take on each issue. I have never been disappointed with any of her podcasts, teachings, or training sessions. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. I truly appreciate your words. I appreciate you taking the time to write these words. And I also hope that other people will follow suit. So again, everyone, would you please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, or maybe you you listen on another uh, major podcast platform. Hey, please leave a review, leave a rating. It all helps. All right. Having said that, let's jump into the topic of the day. We want to talk about race. Yes, race. And again, it's it can be touchy whenever you talk about race. It's a, it's a touchy subject. And I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm going to give my perspective here on the Adrian Ross show. I happen to be a black woman. Um that is no surprise if you've seen my picture. But I'm not sure my perspective would change if I were not a black woman. So I want you to hear me. Yes, as a black woman, if you if you want. But but as a person who has 
some experience, a person who has some some serious thoughts on the issue. I am first and foremost a Christian. And so I whether I'm quoting chapter or verse, you know, when you get Adrian's perspective, it's always going to come through the filter of my faith because that is who I am first and foremost. I am a child of God. So I'm not preaching to you today, but I'm just I'm just saying that my, my perspective tends to come through through that. And, and you're probably going to see that or feel that or recognize that as I speak. OK, there's been a lot of talk about critical race theory, you know, CRT, and I'm no expert on it. I just know that what I do know about it doesn't feel comfortable to me. And I wrote a column at adrianrosscolumn.com a few weeks ago in which I called it evil. And I make no apologies for that. I'm not here today to get into the specifics of critical race theory. I'm, I'm no expert on the topic at all. But I am here to talk about race. And obviously, uh, critical race theory is at the forefront of many minds because we're hearing so much about it. But we're just going to talk about race and you can fill in CRT where it fits you. or You could fill in whatever where, where it fits you. But from my perspective, it's about this fixation, if you will, with race problems, with racism, with um, with race. I mean, really, um, I feel that people, particularly politicians and others who have a platform are using race to stay relevant are using race to wild people up and stir up the emotions. I don't believe that every person who is talking about race has the right motives. In fact, I believe many don't. And then when you talk about politics, you we, this isn't new. I mean, we've seen this for years where people use race so that they can stay relevant and they can remain in power and they can make it so that people continue to look to them for a solution that honestly they don't have and they don't want because many of these people don't want racism to go away because if they did, if we did have it go away, what, what would they talk about? How would they play on the emotions? How would they try to lock up the votes that they're trying to lock up? Uh, you can call me conspiracy theorist if you want, but I'm just speaking what I believe is the truth. Okay. And we'll get into, into that and more. So this, this race problem fixation, you know, it masquerades as an attempt to heal. You know, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about race and we're going to bring this theory into schools and, and we're going to get it all deep into into racism and make people aware and, and all that stuff. And it's, it's so that we can heal, but it's not to heal. And it only hurts. It's to keep the divide going. It's to make a greater divide. It's to pretend that we haven't made gains. Now, having said that. I'm going to make the obligatory statement, which I should not have to make. And uh, here it is. Okay. 
Yes, racism exists. Okay. So I'm not one of those people with my head in the sand and I don't think racism. Look, like I said, I'm a black person and, and I know a little something, something about, about racism. I know it exists. Okay. And I, so I'll go, yes, it exists. They make you feel happy. Good. Wonderful. Blah, 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 blah. And when I say blah, 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 I'm not minimizing or trivializing true racism. But I do think that people use it in a race bait, as I said, for the wrong motives. And that's what that's why I go blah, 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 because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Racism exists. We know that. But we are not living in the days where, you know, where people are trying to make us think we still are. We're we're not there. We have made gains. Do we have farther to go? Of course we do. Goes without saying. So again, blah, blah, blah. Yes, we got that out of the way. Let's move on. I still say what I said before. These people with platforms, these politicians in particular, love to use race or the the idea of racism to keep people riled up and to have some sort of power or stay in power or whatever the case may be. Okay? And they're playing on emotions and too often we feed into it. And that's, that's white, black, and otherwise. Okay. And so I say that they do it because they benefit from the divide. It secures this voting block by playing on the emotions of people who either don't see through it or don't care because they too enjoy the benefits from this race problem preoccupation, quote unquote, quote unquote, meaning the race problem. And there is this preoccupation with it. And so are they that blind to it or are they benefiting from this attention? Again, I said this is going to be tricky. I'm not a bit, I'm not a fan of Dr. Phil. I've only probably seen his show a few times. Uh, when I say a few times, probably less than five over the, all the many years. I'm not a big fan of Dr. Phil. But one thing I do know that he asks or has asked, and that is when people stay in a certain state, And I don't mean a state, meaning a location, a certain mindset. They have to ask themselves, what am I getting out of this? A mindset that or behavior that is detrimental to them, to their well-being. When they stay in that state, there's there's a payoff of some sort that they're getting, whether it's attention or something like that. And that's why they stay in that state. And I'm saying that. I'm relating that to this. If we can see through the game that politicians are playing, the games that politicians are playing, and and I have to believe that many of these people can see through it. I mean, really, they're smart. Some of these people are just smart people. They're not, you know, foolish people. They know that politics, you know, they know what politics bring. They know. They know that we're better off than we were before. They know. They know that not everybody is a racist. As I believe that's part of you know critical race theory, that whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, everybody's got some racism in them, or, or white people do, how it, whatever, whatever it is they're throwing out there. I mean, some of these people that are going along with this mess, they know better. So what's the payoff? Why are they going along with this? But anyway, that, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that on the table to, for you to think about, okay? All right, so 
What's the deal? What's the problem? Adrian, you say that racism exists. We know it still exists. You know, what's, your, what's your problem with this fixation on race? Why do you say it, it hurts, not heals? Well, let's go through a few things. That's what I want to do today. Let's go through a few things of how this whole thing is hurtful and dangerous. First of all, when all you want to do is fixate on race problems, and, and when I say race problems, I, I, I'm, say, I'm not saying that we shouldn't deal with real stuff when it shows up. Let me, let me throw this in here. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, if there's a wolf there, then we need to cry out. When there are real issues and real problems, when racism truly shows up, we need to address it swiftly. Okay? There's no excuse for 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 racism. There's no excuse for discrimination from anyone. There's just no excuse for that. Okay? So, it needs to be dealt with. But when you're seeing it everywhere where it's not at times, then you're just crying out racism, racism, racism. And then what happens when something real shows up, people blow you off because every moment of every day under every rock and behind every tree, you're crying racism even before facts play out. So they don't take you seriously. And you wonder why people don't take you seriously. Well, it's because every, when everything is a problem, nothing is a problem. This is like when we say when everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. And they don't take you, they don't take you seriously. There's, therefore, it's dangerous. It's dangerous and counterproductive to real situations and issues that need to be dealt with. So I want to say that. So when I say race problems, I'm not talking about real race problems. I'm talking about people who are just fixated with race and that's all they're going to see and that's what they're going to talk about and they're going to keep you riled up about that. And they're fixated on it. And when you're fixated on something, you're going to see it everywhere because you will always see what you're determined to see, even when it's not there. So again, why... Is it hurtful? First, it causes people to identify first by the color of their skin. So when you're fixated on this topic to keep it going, now people are now people are just they're focused on the color of their skin. When in reality, you say, what's wrong with that? There, there's nothing wrong with identifying myself. I'm, I'm a black woman. I don't have a problem with that. I don't need to hide that. I don't even mind when people see me as a black woman. What I do mind is if they only see me as a black woman or a black person. That's all you see. That's a problem. But seeing my color is, is fine. In fact, I always say I don't trust people who say, I don't see color. You're lying. Of course you see color. We all see color. It's okay. God created us. We're diverse. That's wonderful. So you're not doing me any favors by saying, by lying, I don't see color. We do see color. It's okay. But that's not all we see. Right? So when I say that, I'm not saying that we shouldn't identify by the fact that we're black or white or, or, or we're a doctor or a lawyer or that we're a woman or a man. I mean, it's okay. But 
That's not your first identification. That's not your primary identification. We should identify first. I know as again, a Christian perspective, I have to identify first as a child of God. I am a Christian who happens to be black. But that's that's my my identification is as a child of God. And when I can recognize that in myself, prayerfully, I can recognize that in someone else. But this whole fixation This whole keep people riled up thing, what it does is it causes people to constantly, it's all, everything is about race. Everything is about the lens of race, which really is an insult to who we truly are, who God created us to be. We were all created in his image. And that's how we, that's where we're supposed to be flowing from. And that's why I say that it's, it gets to be really, really dangerous when people, particularly people who are Christians, start identifying first with, with the race and the whole Black Lives Matter and the CRT and all this stuff. You're getting off course and you're forgetting your purpose. Our purpose is to represent Christ on the earth. Not, well, I'm just black and so I'm going to just jump into every movement that comes along. You better be careful. I better be careful. I better watch my heart and you do the same. So that's first of all. Identifying first as a color, as a race, rather than as a child of the most high God. What else is a problem? With this fixation, keeping race out there, keeping the division going. It places limitations on people. It, it, it places, you know, these, this, this whole thought process is, well, you know, the, the man can't, the man's keeping you down. It's the man. He, he got, he's got his boot on your neck. And that is really the antithesis of what most people Believe in definitely what most parents want to teach their children. Most parents want to tell their children, you can be anything. You can do anything. That's the message that you're that I hear parents trying to tell their kids. And I mean, even to a fault. I mean, you got kids who can't sing. They can't dance, but they don't know because mama and daddy done told them they can they can sing and dance. We all know they can't. <laughs> we all know Johnny need to sit down because Johnny can't sing, but Johnny grabbing that mic. But Johnny has that confidence because mommy and daddy done told Johnny, Johnny, ain't no, can't nobody sing like you, Johnny. <laughs> you know, I mean, we want kids to, to believe that they can do anything. Now, now I have a, you know, and I was told that a lot in my life, but there, there were limitations on that. I wanted to be an actress. I became an English teacher, which was, you know, very much like becoming an actress. I found doing great literature, reading great literature. But I wanted to be an actress for most of my life. I had great talent. I had people who said to me, you know, when I did plays, listen, you need to continue to do this because you're good. But I remember my aunt saying to me, one of my aunts saying to me, she blew up at me one day. I was about to start a new school, had moved, was going to uh, going to go to a new school. I was in 10th grade and we had to go meet with the guidance counselor. Auntie said, Okay, the guidance counselor is probably going to ask you about some of your goals. You know, what are you going to tell her when she asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, 
And I said, well, auntie, you know me. You know what I want to be. What else would I say? I want to be an actress. And she just went off. You're still talking about that acting thing? I thought you would finally get it in your mind that that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not going to do that? You're going to go in there and say, how many black actresses do you see? <laughs> now she can ask me that today. And I, could, I man, I couldn't even name them all. But that was her mindset. And I cry. I'm talking, I'm in 10th grade and I cry because that was so important to me at that time. They all, I was groomed to be an English teacher. They all thought I should, you know, you're going to be a teacher. In fact, when I was born, you may have heard the story. My Aunt Mary said to my mother, name her Adrian because she's going to be a school teacher. And when my one of my aunt, my aunt Alma was in her uh, doing college as an adult, and she went back to school and, and got her uh, undergraduate degree and her master's, you know, I was I was young and I was editing her and proofreading her papers. And so they saw that gift in me. And that was what she, but she didn't just say you're gifted in that, which she did say, my own Alma. But she also said, you're, you're black. She put those limitations on me. But, but most of us today, hopefully, and at least what I see, are parents who are encouraging their children, you can do anything. Taking the limits off. But when you only see things through the lens of race or you have this preoccupation with with constantly finding racial problems everywhere. Then you're you're not going to be, you know, you're putting limitations and we want people to be free to be everything that God has called them to be. You know, I don't want them to have the experience that I had. I mean, I think if your kid, you know, can't sing, then, you know, somebody's got to have sit them, sit them down and tell them. But I, I never want it to be about, you know, well, you're black. You can't do this and that. And so most of you don't want to tell your kids that either. And yet you constantly listen to these so-called leaders who constantly want to tell you that the man, the man, the man. Yes, there are trials and tribulations. Yes, there are people who don't want to see you succeed. But you, you, you're supposed to come along and be the one to say, but, but you can, especially people of faith. With God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. However you, 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 you encourage yourself and you encourage those who, you know, whose lives you're speaking into. But when it's all about the man, the man, the man. It's all about, oh, everybody's a racist. Oh, no, there's a system that just wants to keep you down. There's a, there's a system that just wants to lock you up. You know, yeah, there are people who want to keep you down. And there are people who don't want to see you succeed. You know, but but those are just, those are people. But to tell them there's a whole system and its whole purpose is to keep you from excelling. And, and, and you're not going to be able to get anywhere. I mean... No, wrong message. Wrong message. We are honestly, what? A, this is the greatest country on the face of the earth with its problems. Yes, blah, blah, blah. There it is again. Blah, did the obligatory. Yes, we have problems. But this is the greatest country with the greatest opportunity on the face of the earth, which is why all these people who are complaining are still here. They have not bought a one uh, a one way ticket anywhere. And they won't, but they'll just keep talking. Why? Because it keeps you riled up. It keeps them relevant. It keeps them in power. And stop going along with it. What else is a problem with this fixation on 
what people are calling racism or, or race problems as, as they want to deem it. You know, it places blame on people who have not done anything wrong. I ain't never seen so much apologizing in all my life. And I can't stand it. It does not make, it's not a payoff for me, Dr. Phil. In fact, I find it insulting. When these people, white people, for example, are made to feel, or I shouldn't say make to feel, because you have to, are made to feel because you have to submit to that. But when you embrace the idea that you need to apologize to somebody when you have done nothing wrong, it's insulting not only to you, which it is, because it makes you just look foolish, even though you think it makes you look, it makes you look virtuous. It makes you look foolish and it insults my intelligence because you can't really, you can't apologize really when you know you haven't done anything wrong other than you've been deceived, which I believe is the case for some people into thinking that by the nature of the color of your skin, you've done something wrong. Why are you apologizing? If I don't have to apologize for being black, why do you have to apologize for being white? Why are you apologizing at all when you've done nothing wrong and very often apologizing to people like me who haven't suffered like my ancestors? did and we've got people who haven't really suffered at all haven't even dealt some of them with discrimination some have of course but some have not and yet they feel like white people owe them an apology for what you know what I think I think for many of these people for many of white people who are doing the apologizing it makes them feel superior they are you know quote woke enough To realize that they owe black folks an apology. You know, it shows that you are, you know, superior to others because you recognize the flaw in mankind. Would you go sit down, please? Go sit down somewhere. It's not helpful. It's an insult to my intelligence. It's an insult to you. It's not helpful at all. And I'm not stupid. You walking around apologizing to people for stuff that you haven't done anything, you know, that you, you haven't even done anything just because you are white. And they want to tell you that because you're white, you are racist, whether you realize it or not. And there are people foolish enough to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. No, it does not make sense. Save your apology for the people you're really hurting <laughs> on a day to day basis. You know, and you start apologizing on that. It'll never be enough for people who get off on that kind of thing. They're looking for apology next week, next month. If you've done something wrong, by all means, apologize, repent, you know, ask God to help you move on. But listen, just apologizing because they tell you that's what you're supposed to be doing. And that's because, you know, and it makes you feel better. You can sleep. That's that's just jacked up. And many of you, you know it, that, that you know that. That you have no reason to apologize. <laughs> but in addition to that, there are some people who don't seem smart enough to know that they don't have anything to apologize for. And they've taken on, this is my next thing, they've, my next point, they've taken on this guilt. Which is the last thing we need people to do right now. You've got people who are going through depression. You've got people who are just insecure. You've got people who feel like they can't do anything right. And now you've got this... The, this 
group of people telling them that they should feel guilty about their quote-unquote privilege. We don't need more guilty people. We don't need more people weighted with guilt. We don't need more people with this stuff on their shoulders. We don't need more depressed people. We don't need more suicidal people. And we sure don't need more just ridiculous thinking in people. We need people free from guilt. We need people free from depression. We need people who don't take on what shouldn't be taken on. And walking around in guilt and shame is just not the way to go. Even even if you were a person who has been has had racist thoughts, has had racist feelings, has struggled with that, even if you are, listen, you can't change the past. You can only meet where you yourself right where you are. Look yourself in the mirror and lay that thing down. Ask God for strength. Move, confess if you have to confess. And if you really do owe an apology, give it. And then guess what? You get to move on. But this perpetual state of being guilty, perpetually apologizing and 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 just groveling and you know come on so you've got your people who know they got no reason to apologize and it just makes them feel good and relevant and important and then you got the people who don't know good well you know (laughs) they don't know enough to go i'm rejecting that and instead they take it on either way it's just bad it's bad so i i'm coming to you today to say that, thank God, we are further along than we, than we were. But what people are doing, they're, they're not trying to help. They're trying to drag us back to a place that we left behind. We need to look at what's before us. We need to look at the challenges that are before us. We, look, we need to look at the real issues that need to be dealt with. That includes true racism where it is when we know that it's there. But we don't need to to walk back, act like nothing has gotten any better. We don't need to be saying, okay, well, we're going to go into the schools and we're going to now teach this this thing. And we're going to let all these kids know that that they're that they're really racist, even though they don't know that they are. And even though they they they've got that's not who that's not who they who they are. They don't feel that way at all. But but we're going to tell them that that's the way it is, regardless, because it's really, really there, even though they don't necessarily have it there. But, you know, no, it's it's there. And the politicians are going to constantly everything. One side of the aisle says the other side, the other side is going to say it's it's racist. It's because they're racist. It's, they can't help it. Some of them don't even know it. No, come on. And then they stay in power. And then what happens? You've got a black community who constantly, you know, voting for a certain block. Why? Because they've been trained to think they're supposed to because the other side is racist. Really? I, I, I just... We've got to be smarter than that. We've got to be wiser than that. We've got to refuse to be fools for these people, puppets, and allowing them to control our emotions. Because whenever you start talking about race, emotions are just, they run strong. Because most people hate racism. Yes, most people in this country too, contrary to what they're trying to get you to think, can't stand the idea of racism. You know, 
But so so when you bring up the issue, it is just full of emotion. And, and you know, and that's that's yeah, that's what that's why they try to keep it going, because they know that the emotions there and they can play on the emotion. And just the just the suggestion that someone is racist really, really gets to people. So we continue to look to a vote, you know, to these politicians who are continuing to look to us as their voting block as if they're going to be the answer. And that's what they want. They want you to keep looking to them and voting for them because they keep promising you that they're going to get to the bottom of it and they're going to call it out. And they ain't done jack. Look, look at the communities where where these, particularly the left, I just got to say it. Where these politicians are are leading, these mayors and stuff. I mean, it, it's a it's a wreck, and they're not dealing with many of the issues at all. They're just keeping you riled up, and they have no respect for you because they know that you've been trained that you're supposed to, you know, think that they're the answer and that you're going to vote for them no matter what. And they know that that all they got to do is drop a seed here and there, and you're all in it. And we've got to do better than this. So I'm just pointing it out. These people that you think, these people you think are helping are not most of them, if not all of them. I, I don't want to say all because, you know, there are some people who just, they're just, they don't know any better, I guess. But most of these people know. I bet they have planning sessions. How we rile up the black folk today? What are we going to say today? Hmm. Let's not give in. We're better than this. We have to move forward. And they're trying to drag us back. And that's why I say this fixation, it hurts. It doesn't heal. So I guess we could say that they're successful because their purpose is not to heal. Their purpose is to hurt. Their purpose is to keep it going. But we have to stand up. And not allow them, number one, to cause us to identify first by the color of our skin. No, I'm a child of God created in his image and so are you. Also, not allow those limitations to be placed on us because somebody's got his foot on our neck. No, stop. Stop going to church on Sunday and shouting and running the aisles and singing and, and you know, beating your tambourine about how God is good and nothing can stop you and, and all things are possible. And then on Monday, you know, I can't get nowhere because of the man. Come on. Take the limits off. And then also stop apologizing. Those faux apologies for jack for nothing to make you feel good about yourself or even apologizing because you're walking around feeling guilty let that go and let's move on let's deal with real issues of race that need to be dealt with and let's do it with the idea that we are so far ahead of where we were but not as far as we're going to go because we're going forward in unity in a country that is the greatest country that God has ever given mankind. Thank you. Thank you for 
listening to my perspective, I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to email me at adrianrosscom at gmail.com. And again, if you would, I would really appreciate you rate the Adrian Ross show. You can go to uh, the, uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts, for example, and leave a rating. Would you do that right now? A lot of times we plan to do it and then we forget, or we don't we don't do it right away and then we forget. But would you do that? A rating and a review. It doesn't have to be long. I read you Catherine's review at the beginning of the show. Also, if you would share with others about the Adrian Ross show, I would appreciate it. Please know too that my website is adrianross.com. AdrianRossCom.com. I have an online column and I share a lot of, I share my perspectives every week at AdrianRossCom.com. You have to subscribe to that. It, it costs less than a, a sandwich per month. And uh, I would appreciate that you would do that as well. AdrianRossCom.com. And uh, I'm an author, as you know, and I love love, love to help people who want to write books. And I have an online school called Adrian Ross Academy, ARC Academy. That is at adrianrossacademy.com. And I have some courses there. And if you would check that out, go check it out. Go check it out. I have free previews uh, on these uh, on, on these particular courses. So check that out. All right. And remember, you don't want to miss one episode of the Adrian Ross show. So I'm on the BMG network with some great podcasters. I told you about at the beginning. This is the BMG network.com and also the other major podcast platforms. Check it out. Subscribe, leave a review, rate it, visit me on my other platforms. Leave me an email, Adrian Ross at gmail.com and God bless you abundantly. The Adrian Ross Show was produced and edited in the BMG studio. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod. Find more episodes of The Adrian Ross Show at thebmgnetwork.com and major podcast platforms. Be sure to tune in regularly. You don't want to miss even one episode.